You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. This morning, we are continuing our series, No Other Gospel. It is our deep dive in Paul's letter to the churches at Galatia. And Paul reminds us that there is no other gospel except that that is rooted and established in Jesus Christ and him alone, that true gospel uh, is Jesus Christ plus nothing else, not our good works, not our religious activities, none of that. Now, biblical scholars believe that Paul probably wrote this letter about eight or nine years after he first planted the churches in Galatia, in that province. And he's writing this group of churches because he's received word that a group of Jewish legalists have infiltrated the churches, and they've started teaching this doctrine that's contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, They are called Judaizers, and they're teaching that certain Old Testament laws were still binding uh, for these new Gentile Christians. And they reasoned that God's promises extended only to Jews. So if the Gentiles at Galatia wanted to be part of God's family, then they would have to follow Jewish laws regarding everything from diet to circumcision before they could fully experience salvation. Uh, that, and and they, they stress, you know, faith in Jesus, uh, that's, that's fine, but it's inadequate, basically, is what they're teaching. Uh, they taught that to be fully saved, one must add to their faith observance of the Jewish law. And Paul is writing to vehemently, vehemently oppose this line of thinking and the resulting behavior and practices that might come from it. Now, in the first two chapters of Galatians, which we have covered over this month, Paul defended his apostleship. He's, uh, he's defended his apostleship, and it's not because he's insecure, but he knows he needs to do that in order to establish the divine origin of the gospel that he is pointing them back to. Now, in chapters 3 and 4, we're going to begin chapter 3 today. And chapters 3 and 4 in the structure of this letter, Paul focuses on the superiority of the gospel compared to the failure of the law to truly redeem humanity and to bring us fully into God's family. And this morning, we're going to continue to hear Paul calling us to choose faith and spirit, not works and flesh. So, Over that eight or nine years since Paul planted the churches at Galatia, uh, the Galatian churches, they began to drift. They began to drift. They began to shift their focus from faith in Jesus and the resulting personal relationship that comes from that to works of the Jewish law that really just was the resulted in an empty religious ritual. Uh, This is a reminder, I believe, that for us today, whether Uh, the shift has been seven or eight, nine years, or whether it's been maybe a few weeks or a few months for us to examine our hearts and our minds, examine our hearts and our minds, and ask ourselves, is my spiritual identity rooted in the cross of Jesus Christ and the gift of the Spirit, or is my spiritual identity rooted in in works of the flesh, my good deeds that I might do as some sort of expression of my Christianity. 
for us to really think about that this morning as we read this passage of Scripture, um, Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we're going to go 14 verses. And let me warn you, Paul does not take time for warm fuzzies as he is uh, diving into this part of his letter. Uh, he intensely loves uh, the church at Galatia. Have you ever been loved intensely by someone? That can, be a, that can be an uncomfortable thing. I have some people in my life who love me intensely, and I, at least that's what I have uh, arrived at here in, in my heart. And, and sometimes that's a hard thing to deal with. Sometimes it's not very comfortable because sometimes the thing that drives their, 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 their intensity is, is their love for you, but sometimes it's not very comfortable and uh, you feel like your toes are being stepped on. But that's what, that's what Paul is doing here. He wants to get their attention that he means business about this uh, so that they would recognize the seriousness of the drift uh, from faith uh, to law. So let's read Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. You foolish Galatians. That's what I'm talking about, him not, not doing the warm fuzzies. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? if it really was in vain. So again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham, that all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might continue to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we love you. We honor you, and we thank you that you have invited us, and you have made the way for us to be fully part of your family. We thank you that it is because of your grace, your love, your mercy, your compassion and kindness that this is possible. 
Holy Spirit, we invite you to come this morning and in your love and in your goodness, in your righteousness, come and show us our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would show us any inclination that we might have to drift away from trusting you, believing in you, having complete and total faith and reliance on you. And show us, Lord, if there's any inclination toward works of self-righteousness, religious activity in which we'd seek to take any sense of pride or identity. God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us, and we pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. So in this first section of, of Galatians 3, Paul reminds us that it is impossible to first earn a relationship with God through our, our works. And so because it's impossible to even uh, get entry or earn a relationship with God, it's also impossible to maintain our relationship with God in that same way through our works. Paul begins by pointing to the cross of Jesus Christ, and he's going to continue to do that throughout this letter. Uh, in fact, uh, we're going we're gonna to take this letter right up to Easter Sunday, uh, and it's appropriate that we would do that. He keeps pointing to Jesus' death on the cross. And you got to understand, the, the Galatians, they were very familiar with, uh, with death by crucifixion. They had witnessed so many people uh, who had been crucified because of Roman oppression uh, using this means of capital punishment. Paul wanted them to see how the Judaizers, those Jewish legalists, were coming in and they were diverting uh, the, the attention of the Galatians uh, away from Jesus' Jesus's crucifixion and they were pointing them to focus on the law instead. And, and when Paul first went to them eight or nine years earlier, he had made it clear to them the meaning of the cross that though Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was sinless, Though he was sinless, that he took on all of our sins and he died on the cross in order to pay uh, our debt of sins, the Galatians' debt of sins, the debt of sin for the entire world. You know, the law, it wasn't able to, to do that. The law only would show us our sinfulness and our need for a savior. Paul reminds them that any use of the law as a means of earning our salvation is a gross distortion of the gospel, and, and it really is no, no gospel at all. It needs to be completely ignored, completely put aside. But then Paul reminds them that their life in God's family, which began in, with faith in Jesus Christ, was also sealed by this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit, which is altogether apart from the law. So he stresses the cross of Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes you a part of this wonderful family. He reminds them in verse 2, I would like uh, to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God? Are you now trying to finish this ongoing relationship with God by means of the flesh? And again, that's a question I think that would be very appropriate for all of us to ask ourselves. Uh, as, we, as we consider our own hearts and our own lives, 
And the things that maybe the patterns of thinking, the patterns of behavior that we can fall into, I believe that God wants to just revitalize. Uh, he wants to renew. He wants to restore and, and just re-clarify for us that, that our faith is, is about Jesus Christ and him alone. And for us to continue to grow and to be the people that Jesus has called us to be, it, it's, it's that ongoing infilling of the Holy Spirit who purifies us, transforms us, heals us, empowers us, makes us more and more like Jesus. Uh, Paul echoes in this passage what the apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost when the the Holy Spirit was first poured out on the church. Uh, In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter preached this, "'Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.'" The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, including the Gentiles, including the Gentiles in Galatia, and for all uh, whom the Lord God will call. Repent and be baptized. And when we do that, when we turn away from our sin, when we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we place our faith in him, and we turn to him to be our, the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives, we become a part of God's family. And we will also receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. It is an offer, and it is a promise for, for everyone And Paul explains that this is God's plan. This is God's plan and that anyone would be foolish to abandon God's good and perfect plan to come up with one on our own where it's based on our good efforts, our attempts at being right with God. Uh, And and, and, and so this is is the the thing he lays out so clearly. The cross of Christ, the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, the law makes us aware of sinfulness. It does that, uh, and that's why it was given. And it shows us our need for a Savior, but it doesn't lead us to repentance, okay? It doesn't do that. It is only by the Holy Spirit that we can confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is only by the the Spirit working in us and wooing us and drawing us. It's not something that another human being can do. It certainly is not something that the law can do. It was because the Spirit was at work in Paul's preaching when he first went to Galatia and the churches there in that province eight or nine years ago uh, that the Galatians came to believe in the first place, and he is reminding them of that. Uh, Paul echoes this in some of his other letters. He says, no one, in 1 Corinthians, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so I can preach all day long, and, but if the Holy Spirit is not at work in someone's heart and life, then I, you know, I, I do what I'm supposed to do. I, I am obedient to what I sense the Holy Spirit leading me to do. And, and then the Holy Spirit has his job uh, to bring people, to draw people. Uh, in several of his letters, Paul underscores that, the Holy, that this is a Holy Spirit-empowered gospel that we are sharing, that, we, that he was preaching, that we are preaching both with our words and with our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 5, he talks about our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. 
And in Romans, he reminds them, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. All people, all people. So when we share the good news of Jesus Christ, which is followers of Jesus, we should be doing on a regular basis, both with our words and our actions, our behaviors, the way we live our lives. When we share the good news of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit works in people's hearts to bring them to faith. And, and I share that with you because I think sometimes when we look and consider the call to evangelize, to share our faith with other people, we feel like, okay, I've got to share this message, and then I've got to draw them. And guys, that's not our job. We can't do that. The enemy would love for us to have that mindset about sharing our faith, sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, sharing our God stories, but that is not, that's not our responsibility. We are responsible for sharing what God has done in our lives. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, and I got a wonderful email from somebody in our church who, who said, you know, I, I heard you talking about us needing to, to write our God story, prepare so that we would have a God story to share when the opportunity availed itself. And she said, I got to thinking, you know, I didn't have a, one of these big dramatic come to Jesus stories. I grew up in church and was, uh, you know, uh, pretty much a follower of Jesus from my very earliest years. She said, I got to thinking, and she wrote this beautiful poem uh, about how God had been faithful to her. God had led her through some very, very difficult things. And, and I wrote her back. I said, this is beautiful. People need to hear this because people, even as followers of Jesus, go through difficult things. How much more so people who don't know Jesus go through really difficult things. And you're being able to testify and share, acknowledge how, how God brought you through those things. That is a powerful thing. And that is something that God will use we need to understand that those words, those testimonies, those opportunities that we have to, to share God's love with, with something as simple as Hershey's kisses, you never know the Holy Spirit might open up a conversation. Why are you doing this? Why are you, why are you doing this? What's the point of this? What's the catch? And it's an opportunity to say, I, God, I have so been overwhelmed by God's love in my life. He loves me, and it's nothing that I've ever done to earn his love or deserve his love. And, and because of his love, I, I want to share his love with others. I want everyone to know God's love. And this is a small reminder that God loves you. And you never know what kind of opportunities or, uh, to share your own God story that, that might, might bring about in those moments. It's just about being open to those. And, 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 that, and understanding, you know, we, we value worship. We have a very high value for worship. When we share our God story, that is a powerful form of worship as witness. It's a powerful form of that. And as the psalmist tells us, our worship welcomes the manifest presence of God. And so as we are testifying, we are worshiping, when we share our God story, we are acknowledging the worship of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes and he does the heavy lifting that we could never do of changing a person's heart. But what he is looking for is a group of people who in faith will believe God's word, trust the work of the Holy Spirit, and do our part. 
that's incumbent upon us, whether it's serving in our food pantry and having opportunities to pray for people, and as we sense maybe the Holy Spirit urging us to share a, 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 a prophetic word, maybe just as a scripture that would be encouraging to do that, to pray for the sick when we see people in need, uh, to just share his kindness in all kinds of wonderful ways. The same Holy Spirit who makes it possible for us to become new creations in Christ also causes our new life in Christ to flourish. Uh, Paul says you, you began this way in Christ, and now you're going to go a different route to, to, to be all that God has called you to be? Really, is that how this works? It's like, no, it doesn't work that way at all. He said, uh, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or rather by believing what you heard? He's asking them, hey guys, wake up, take a look, ask yourself these questions. This is the same sense of ongoing, limitless infilling that Paul refers to, this, this sense of the, the Spirit, um, the spirit God, God gives you His Spirit. He gives you His Spirit on an ongoing basis. It's, just, it's abundant. It's generous. It's the same sense of Paul saying, don't be drunk with wine, but be continually filled with the Holy Spirit uh, to his letter to the Ephesians. It's that same sense of the abundance of God's Spirit rather than the beggarly elements of legalism that would want to constrain us in every way. Paul is calling us to be filled with the Spirit of God and responsive to the Spirit of God so that we would see, like the Galatians had been seeing, works uh, of miracles uh, by the Spirit of God. And do you guys believe that God is still in the business of doing miracles and signs and wonders today? I do too. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear you say that, and I, I just want to continue to encourage you to look for those moments to pray for people, to pray for the sick, uh, to, to function in gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are merely tools for doing the ministry of Jesus Christ. That's all they are. They're not spiritual merit badges. Uh, in our Vineyard DNA small group, the very first night of our Vineyard DNA small group, um, we shared and taught on the five-step prayer model because that's so much of what we do uh, in terms of praying for people, whether it's our ministry time, whether it's prayer time in small groups, our V kids learn an age-appropriate version of that, our V youth do, excuse me, do as well. And so this is something that's very core to who we are. And that night we asked, is there anybody here that we could sort of use as a guinea pig to, to, if you have a need, we'd love to pray for you. And there was someone in our group that that morning, she had pulled a muscle in her leg and it was extremely painful. Um, and our, our class was, our small group was upstairs in the cafe, just like, it really hurt to walk up here. And, uh, and so two or three of us prayed for her. And one person specifically spoke to the condition in her leg and said, you know, in the name of Jesus, speak to this tight muscle that you'd be loosed. And, um, and we're like, nothing happened. All right. So, and we'd already talked about the already and the not yet of the kingdom, uh, the tension that we live in on that. But we also know that our praying for the sick is obedience to God's word uh, and the gospels of Jesus Christ. And so... The next day, uh, I get a call around lunchtime, uh, and this person is like, I got, it felt a little better this morning, but right at lunchtime, 
it was just completely gone. Just completely gone. I have full range of motion, no pain at all. And, and it's like, praise God. And it's like, well, you know, Reese, that, was, that probably just loosened itself up. I, I, I got to tell you, folks, uh, I've lived 58 years now, and I have seen God do some really, really cool things. I've seen some really beautiful coincidences. How's that? That were joined with prayer, that were joined with, with inviting God's kingdom, his rule and reign to come into a situation and set things right. And I choose and I want to invite and encourage each one of you to choose to live constantly inviting God's spirit, the rule and reign of God, to come into broken, hurting situations with, and for him to come and set things right. And people want to call it coincidences. I'm, I'm, I don't care. We know that God is at work. And Paul is reminding the church of Galatia, you've seen miracles, you've seen signs and wonders, and do you think these came from you doing works of the law? Really? But it's important for us, we may not be relying on works of the law to see this happen, but we maybe rely on other things. I'm thankful for, for, for good medicine. I utilize it. I believe God heals through medicine. So I'm not discounting that, but I'm saying let us not rely solely on medicine and leave God out of the equation. Let us be people who are praying and saying, God, we welcome your healing whatever way you want to bring it. Whether it's healing through uh, drug therapies or a miraculous touch or just a, a progressive kind of healing, Lord, let your kingdom come. And this is an abundant thing he wants to do. God is not skimpy. He is not scarce regarding his spirit being poured out to see works of signs and wonders and miracles in our midst. Faith in Jesus Christ brings us into God's family and it carries us throughout our spiritual journey. Uh, remember, this is all about identity. Ultimately, this is more about, people say, well, the, the book of Galatians is about faith versus works. More than that, it's about being part of God's family and choosing which way you choose to, to see yourself in God's family. Uh, the, the Galatians they really wanted to be a part of God's family. And so the question was, were they really part of the Messiah family through their faith in Jesus Christ, the people who belong to God's kingdom as a result of, of what Jesus did on the cross and his death and his resurrection? Or were they trying to, as the Judaizers were trying to convince them, to become part of the physical family of Israel, uh, the people of God defined by an ethnic origin uh, that could only come about through things like religious practices, including circumcision. And Paul is very, very clear to them that God has given them his spirit, and they've also already, they're already true children of Abraham, the father of Israel. And so there is no need to try and keep the law because Jesus has fulfilled it for them and for all of us. And he starts pointing to, to Abraham as uh, the, the Jews regarded him as, as their father and the source of their spiritual blessings. And they believed that uh, the, the simple physical descent in their lineage granted them righteousness because they were children of Abraham, because they were, uh, they were Jews. But Paul shows that Abraham pleased God 
not by his works, but by faith, not by doing works of the law, because the law didn't even exist then. The law had not yet been given, and God grants and sees Abraham as righteous. And Paul insists that the true children of Abraham and the heirs of the promised blessings are those who live by faith. They live by faith, not by works, not by keeping the law, Even the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk toward the end of the Old Testament says that the righteous person will live by faith, not by works, not by the law. The way in is faith, the way on is faith, not the law. In fact, Paul says the law actually curses uh, because it makes demands that nobody can keep up with. No one can fulfill this. Uh, No one but Jesus. And he's done that for all of us with the cross of Christ. With the cross of Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, those two together, God has dealt with sin's curse on the whole world once and for all. And that is good news for each one of us. Whether you are someone who who knows salvation, you've experienced salvation, you have received God's gift of salvation given through Jesus, or maybe you're here this morning And you haven't, you haven't, but you know that there's a longing in your heart. There's a desire to have a relationship with God. And this this is how it comes about, not by our good works, not by keeping a bunch of rules, not by showing up and, you know, showing out, looking good. It's about acknowledging our sinfulness, that we need a Savior, that we cannot, that, that we have sinned against ourselves, others, and we've sinned against God, acknowledging that, confessing that, and putting our faith, our trust, our belief in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Son of God, of God the sinless Son of God, who took on the sin of the entire world for all eternity. And that when we put our faith and our trust in him and we ask for forgiveness, when we invite him into our hearts, that he will forgive us and that we become part of God's family. And if you haven't made that decision, I, I encourage you, uh, I've been praying for you to do that today, to just receive God's gift, uh, to be a part of his family, not because of any rule that you keep, but because of the grace of God, trusting in his love, his great love. For all of us, it's really important for us to regularly reflect on our heart issues and our motivations. I've been a follower of Christ for a long time, and I regularly have to, have to check in, you know, when I, when I find myself leaning toward works of righteousness and looking good spiritually, it's like, God, what... what what is this really all about? This is all about your grace. This is all about you, Jesus. This is all about a dependency on the Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me, to, to refine me, to purify me, to transform me, to, to empower even the simplest of deeds like giving away Hershey's kisses. Holy Spirit, come and bless these kisses. Use them. Lead us and guide us. Let there be Let there be Holy Spirit anointed and guided conversations that would take place as we just, in humility, and and have fun doing this, guys. Have fun. 
Uh, Let the joy of the Lord fill you as you go and do this, that God is calling us to a renewed and realigned trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit and all of our utter dependence on, on the fact that apart from him, we can do nothing. Let's stand together. Thank you.